Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and today we're going to return to the book of Jude. We're about to wrap it up, but today we're going to find out what the Bible means when it says, and if some have compassion, making a difference. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be Jude verse 22, and then we're going to jump right into Jude verse 23. But remember that we're offering you my brand new series called How to Build Up Your Most Holy Faith. That's what we saw on Monday, yesterday. We saw about the benefits of praying in the Holy Ghost. All that is in this series. The subtitle says, Praying in the Spirit, Building Your Faith, and Becoming an instrument in the hands of God. It's five parts, and it comes in multiple formats with a study guide. And right now, we're also offering you my book, which is called Last Day's Survival Guide. Do you have your copy yet? You need a copy of this book, and please order several, because I promise this is a book you're going to want someone else to read. It would be a great book for your kids or your grandkids. They will devour it. But hey, please remember that if you need somebody to pray with you, we're the ones that want to pray with you. If you'll give us a call or if you'll send us an email, I promise you the moment we hear from you, we're going to release our faith and Jesus is going to do something marvelous for you. We're going to ask in faith and he's going to respond, but we need to know how to pray. So give us a call right now or send us an email, but reads for your Bible. And today we're going to return to the book of Jude, but I want to read to you the RIV of verse 20 and verse 21. And you have to remember that in the book of Jude, Jude has been describing the apostate church, apostate leaders, apostate believers. But when you come to verse 20, it's almost like Jude says, but I believe something better for you. And listen to what the RIV says in Jude verse 20. On the other hand, beloved, I call you that because it's the only word I know to express how deeply I love and cherish you. You must intentionally do all you can to focus on building and further expanding your spiritual lives on top of the foundation of your most holy faith. And we've seen that in this verse, when Jude says we're to build ourselves up on, it's really talking about building on the foundation of the Word of God in our life. And here, the RIV says you must intentionally do all you can to focus on building and further expanding your spiritual lives on top of the foundation of your most holy faith. And then he adds, and be constantly drawing near as you pray in the realm and in the control of the Holy Spirit and then he continues in verse 21. And as you pray in the Holy Spirit, vigilantly keep yourself in the inexpressible, indescribable, unspeakable love of God and be reaching out to embrace and lay hold of the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that extends even into the vast expanse of eternal life. Wow. But then you come to verse 22 
And Jude tells us it's time for us to do something to make a difference for those that have veered from their faith. Rather than just wring our hands and say, oh, it's so sad what's happened to them. Oh, I'm so sorry they've departed from the faith. He tells us what to do for them. And that's what we find in verse 22 where he says, and of some have compassion making a difference. Wow. Real compassion makes a difference. And the word compassion used in this verse is a form of the Greek word elios, and the word elios is the Greek word for pity. It can be translated as compassion, but it's not pity that simply wrings its hands when it sees something terrible and says, oh, I'm just so sorry. That is just so pitiful. Let me ask you, how many times have you looked at someone in distress and said, that's just so pitiful, but didn't do anything for them? Well, that's not really compassion. The word compassion, the Greek word elios in this verse, which here is translated as the word mercy, describes, listen to this, the deep-seated and unsettling emotions a person feels into response to something he's seen or heard, but more than pitiful emotions, it is a deep-seated compassion that compels him to action. He can't just wring his hands and look at it regretfully. He says, ah, I've got to do something to help that person. That's what compassion does. That's what mercy does. Mercy always takes action. And in this verse, it says, and of some have compassion, making a difference. And the words making a difference are a translation of a form of the Greek word diakrino. The word dia in this word carries the idea of a going back and forth or an instability. And the word crino means to distinguish or to judge. But when you compound the two words together, it forms the Greek word diakrino, which here is translated making a difference. But in the Greek, it actually pictures one so confused, so confused that he's vacillating. He's going back and forth. He's doubtful. He is wobbling, he is wavering, he is vacillating in his faith. And an accurate interpretation of verse 22 would be like this. Here's the RIV of Jude verse 22. And for some, it is essential that you be moved with compassion that does more than simply feel sorry about their plight. You must let compassion move you to take action, to do whatever you can to make a difference for those who are uncertain, doubtful, and even vacillating back and forth in their faith. So real compassion, real mercy does something to rectify the situation. And then he adds in verse 23, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. But notice verse 23 in the King James Version begins with the word and, which is a translation of the Greek word day. It is a conjunction, which here is intended to describe something that is categorical or emphatic. Emphatically, others you must save with fear. And the word save is a form of the Greek word sozo, a word that we love. Most of us who know anything about the Greek language, it means to save. But more than save, it is an important biblical word that means to deliver. It can stress a rescue or a saving operation. It was also used to portray one who acted urgently to deliver or rescue 
his friend out of harm's way or to deliver his country from an enemy. And Jude properly uses the word sozo in this verse to depict a rescue operation for those who are in spiritual trouble. He says you've got to do something urgently to deliver them, to rescue them, to save them. And then he says pulling them out of the fire, pulling them out is a form of the Greek word harpazo, and ay, 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 the word harpazo is a strong word that presents the picture of snatching someone out of a dangerous situation. It means to seize. It can be translated to deliver or to snatch just in the nick of time. And he says, pulling them or snatching them just in the nick of time out of the fire, out of in Greek, is the Greek word ek, which means right out of, it's where we get the word exit, the fire. And the word fire is a form of the Greek word puras, which is the Greek word for fire. But here it pictures the flames that are swirling, whirling, flickering, twisting, turning and arching upward toward the sky as it consumes and engulfs. And here James says others save with fear. Well, the word fear is the Greek word phobos, but here it carries the idea of spiritual alarm. When you see someone that has veered from their faith, you should feel a sense of alarm for them. And in fact, Jude in this verse says you should want to save them, to put into action a rescue plan to save them, to deliver them right out of the fire, snatching them out of the flames if you must. But this makes me think of 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, where Peter describes the judgment that fell on Sodom and Gomorrah and how God saved Lot out of that judgment. Now, you have to remember that Jude previously had intended to write a different letter about salvation and the mutually shared benefits we all have because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. But when Jude read Peter's second epistle, chapter 2 and chapter 3, Jude was so moved by what he wrote that he decided he would address the same topic that Peter had addressed. Well, when you come to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, we read the very words that Jude saw. And notice this verse, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6 says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, God condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. In Greek, the words turning into ashes are all one word. The Greek word tefuo, it was the very word used which meant to completely burn, to turn into ashes, or to incinerate. It was the very word used by the Roman historian Diacassius to describe the fire that totally consumed the top of Mount Vesuvius. And the rim of Mount Vesuvius became so brittle that it would collapse and it would fall into the throat of the volcano until finally it completely collapsed and was covered in ash. That is the word which is used here to describe the judgment which came on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and all the surrounding cities. God totally, totally judged them, turned them into ashes and condemned them with an overthrow. The word condemned, the Greek word katakrino, it means God passed a verdict of judgment and condemnation upon these cities. 
and condemn them with an overthrow. And guess what? In Greek, the word overthrow is the Greek word catastrophe. And it's where we get the word for something that is catastrophic. What happened to these cities was absolutely catastrophic. By the time that God was finished with Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, there was nothing left of them. And in fact, the rest of the verse says, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. Well, the word ensample here is pretty important because it is the Greek word hupodegma. It is so important. I'm going to read to you directly from my notes. This word ensample, which is the Greek word hupodega, depicts a sculptor's small-scale model of a statue or monument. Before the sculptor made the larger finished product first, he experimented on a small-scale model which he meticulously worked on to make sure each measurement and dimension was correct. And when he was assured that he had perfected the small-scale model, then he took that model and amplified it into the real final product which was much larger. And therefore, this word in sample really describes a prototype or a sculptor's small-scale model of something which later he would amplify when he did the real deal. Now we find that Sodom and Gomorrah and the catastrophic overthrow which came to them when God judged them with fire and brimstone and turned them into ashes was a small-scale model or a prototype of what is going to come in the future to everyone that lives Ungodly. So if we want to know what's going to happen to the ungodly in the future, just look back to Sodom and Gomorrah because it was the first experiment in judgment. It was a prototype of what is coming in the future. But when you come to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, it says, In the midst of all of this, God delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. The word delivered is very similar to the word harpazo, which Jude uses, that is also translated delivered or to pull someone out of the fire. That's the Greek word harpazo, but here it is the Greek word ruomai, which basically has the same meaning. And remember, Jude had just read these verses when he sat down to write his epistle. Now he's building on top of what he read in 2 Peter chapter 2. And in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, he read, And God delivered just Lot. That word, ruomai, describes a last-ditch effort to save someone from the brink of destruction. And he calls Lot, just Lot. The word just is the Greek word dikaios, which is the New Testament word for those who are righteous, which means Lot was a righteous man. But when you read 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, you find this righteous man was living in a very bad place. He was not living a righteous life. In fact, he had veered from his faith, just like the people Jude has been describing. In fact, he says he was vexed with a filthy conversation of the wicked. The word vexed the Greek word katapaneo. The word katapaneo means he was worn out, tired, broken down, exhausted. He had thrown in the white towel of surrender and had surrendered to his environment. He was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. And the word wicked that is used here describes those that are lawless or those who are morally displaced. They had lost their morals completely. And there was this righteous man living in the middle of this mess. And in fact, when you look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 8, it continues to say, for that righteous man. 
again, the Greek word dikaios. He was righteous. This was a righteous man, but Peter says he was dwelling among them, and in seeing and hearing, he vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Wow. Dwelling among them is a Greek word that describes one who is so comfortable where he is that he has settled down there. He is adapted to his environment. This righteous man was living in a very unrighteous place. He became so ill-affected by his environment that he surrendered to it, became comfortable there in seeing and hearing. And the Greek says, in seeing and seeing and seeing and hearing and hearing and hearing, he vexed his righteous soul. The word vexed here really means to callous. I have a callous on this finger because when I was a young boy and I was learning to write, I pressed the pencil so hard against this finger that I formed a callus in the first grade and I still have the callus. When you have a callus, it's a place on your skin that has lost its ability to feel. In the same way, when you live in sin and you see and see and see and hear and hear and hear, though that sinful environment may have first grieved you, when you live in it and live in it and see it, and see it, and hear it, and hear it, eventually you become hardened to it, or you become vexed by it, and that's what happened to righteous Lot. He became ill-affected by his environment until really he became calloused to how bad it was. He vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. That's what happened to him because he was living in the wrong place. By the way, when it says he vexed his unrighteous soul, it's the Greek word suke, which describes his mind or his emotions. His mind was affected. He nearly became reprobate in his thinking. I'm going to show you this in tomorrow's program. But when you come to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. And the word deliver is again the Greek word ruomai, which depicts a last-ditch effort to save someone who's on the brink of destruction. It means to snatch out of a situation. And God, by His mercy, snatched Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah just before the fires of judgment fell. And this leads us back to Jude verse 23. So let's go back there. In Jude verse 23, Jude continues to say, building on top of what he just read in 2 Peter chapter 2, he has the same image in his mind of Lot being snatched out of destruction. Now Jude says to us in verse 3 and others, again the word and, the conjunction D, emphatically, categorically, you must do this, others save, the word save, Again, as the Greek word sozo, it depicts a rescue operation. Save them with fear, with alarm. You should be very concerned about them. Pulling them, the Greek word harpazo, snatching them out just in the nick of time, out of the Greek word ek, right out of the fire, which is a form of the Greek word puras, the consuming, engulfing fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. What does that mean, hating? Well, the word hating is a form of the Greek word misio. That is such a strong word. It means to hate something. Hating, even the garment spotted by the flesh. It could be translated to abhor, abhorring, even the garment spotted by the flesh. 
It can be translated to find something utterly repulsive, finding utterly repulsive, even the garment spotted by the flesh. And this word hate does not describe just a dislike. It pictures a real, actual hatred. What is it that we are to hate? It says the garment spotted by the flesh. And the word garment that is used in this verse does not describe the outer garment, but it describes the undergarments or the underwear, the underclothing that is right next to the skin, which means these particular individuals that are in spiritual trouble have become so soiled, they've become so sullied by the flesh and by the way that they're living that it has penetrated beyond their exterior all the way to their interior. Every layer of their life has finally become spotted. And the word spotted is a form of the Greek word spilos, which means to stain, to defile, to contaminate. It pictures something that was made to be beautiful, but now it's been stained or it's been ruined. It's been contaminated. And here Jude says, by the flesh. And the RIV of verse 23 would be like this. And indeed, there are some in such serious condition. But there's no choice but for you to urgently swing into action to deliver, rescue, and save them. You should be so alarmed by their condition that you're willing to do whatever is necessary to snatch them out of the fire, detesting and hating the contamination that has so deeply defiled them. They are so ill-affected by the flesh that they are regretfully like a garment sullied through every layer of clothes all the way to the undergarments. But rather than just say, that's so sad. Verse 22 says we need to have compassion. It's not enough just to feel pity. We need to take action to get them back where they need to be. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, that's what we're going to find out in tomorrow's program. But right now, my announcer is going to tell you how you can order all the materials which we're offering you today. And then I'll be back and I want to pray for you. The Bible commands us to build up our most holy faith and to pray in the Holy Spirit. But how do you build up your most holy faith? What does that mean? And how do you pray in the Holy Spirit? And what does praying in the Spirit mean for you? In this five-part series, How to Build Up Your Most Holy Faith, Rick Renner dives deep into the book of Jude to answer these important questions. You'll be thrilled to discover what it really means to build up your most holy faith and to pray in the Holy Ghost. You'll also learn how compassion can make a difference for someone who is in trouble, and how Jesus is the great keeper and protector of those who trust in Him. Available in digital or physical format starting at just $10, this series will show you how to reach inside yourself to stir up the fire of God that is in you. In addition, you can also get the book Last Day Survival Guide for $25. This is a book God will use again and again to equip you to successfully sail through the turbulent waters we are facing all around us in the world today. If you believe we are living in the last days, then you need to know how to survive them and thrive in them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss this special offer, the five-part series, How to Build Up Your Most Holy Faith, and the book, Last Day's Survival Guide. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now.
Hey, this is Rick Renner. This is where I sit every morning, where I meet with the Lord and I pray for our TV family, our partners, people that I love all over the world. And this is where I prepare my TV programs. I sit down with my Greek study helps. And by the way, I don't just use Greek study helps. I read New Testament Greek. That's what I studied in the university. It really is my specialization. But before I give them to you, first I check them. I make sure I've got it right. I study all these programs, really put it all together. And I have to tell you that preparing the program is the biggest part. Filming the program is the easy part. It takes hours and hours and hours to make sure I put everything together correctly for you. And then from here, it goes to the TV suite where I sit down with my producer. And then he and I go over all the introductions that I have filmed. Where the word of the king is there, let God's word release its power in your life today. And I'll see you in the next program. Wow, done with another program. So good to do these programs for the people who watch us all over the world. This is our studio. This really is where I live my life. And in this room, we prepare programs that ultimately go to multiple languages all over the face of the earth. They're primarily Russian and English. Wow, what a blessing. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 10, verse 21, that the lips of the righteous feed many. It's my prayer that our teaching is feeding and nourishing many people. But when we're finished with my part, then the programs go into the edit suite, and that's what takes place in this room. And in this room, you can see there's people doing all kinds of things. They take the Greek words that I prepare. By the way, it takes a long time to prepare all those Greek words. But then they have to put them on the screen. They have to adjust the sound, adjust the color. They edit the whole program together with the music, the advertisements, the prayer, everything. And we create a teaching program for you. And our goal is to bring teaching that you can trust. That's our goal. That's my prayer. And I want to say thank you to you for helping all of us do it. It's not just me and Denise. There's a whole team here together. We're all committed to bringing good teaching to people. And your part's very important. So thank you for being a partner. Thank you for praying for us. And thank you for giving. friend today we covered a lot of material in the program and tomorrow when we come back we're going to see what we need to do for those that have veered from their faith what are we supposed to do to snatch them out of the lifestyle that they're now living that's what we're going to find out tomorrow but hey, i'm offering you my series which is called how to build up your most holy faith the subtitle says praying in the spirit building your faith and becoming an instrument in the hands of God. And it comes with a study guide. And we're offering you right now my book, which is called Last Day's Survival Guide. If you've not ordered yours yet, order yours right now. And you can order all of these things by going online or by giving us a call right now. And please let us know how to pray for you. But Father, we all know someone that has veered from their faith and now spiritually they're in jeopardy. Show us what to do Help us to do more than say it's so sad. Show us how to reach out and take action to bring them back into the place they need to be. In Jesus' name, amen.
man. Amen. I'll see you tomorrow. But remember Ecclesiastes 8.4. It says where the word of a king is, there's power. Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the Word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity. 